The scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 through 22. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod the ruler, who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, I pray that you speak through me and when and where necessary in spite of me. And Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Without Ben, I thought there was going to be a little bit more of a time period before I had to come up here, so let me drink some water. This morning, I'd like to preach and teach on a sermon entitled, Please and Thank You. Please and Thank You. So much of what happens in our scripture this morning hinges on the transformation between please and thank you. What happens in the transformation will have John the Baptist freedom silence, and his death imminent. Yet it will also have Jesus' ministerial clock ticking. What happens in that transformation will be a move from repentance to judgment. And all of these transitions and transformations happen publicly. Avalyn may not remember this day. She may see photos or hear stories of her baptism on a snow day in January 2019. But one of the most beautiful things about today is that we are here. We get to proclaim our intentions and resolutions to help form her and shape her in the ways of Christ before God and witnessed by a community. As a response to the word of God spurred by that restless and refining stirring of the Holy Spirit. Baptism, like communion, is something we do together. We do it in public spaces. The sacraments are the places and moments where the deeply personal stirrings of our faith join with the choirs of saints of old and saints yet to come. They are places in our worship life and in our life of faith where we seek to continue this long history of trying to describe the indescribable, that unconditional love of the triune God that claims us. And so from the outskirts of commerce and capital comes Cousin John. John, both a voice crying out in the wilderness 
and a, boy, and a voice crying to the wilderness. John the Baptist is somewhat of an ancient mentor and role model for me. He unabashedly critiques the powers and principalities of his day while preaching amazing sermons. He preaches the type of sermons that I, as a preacher, only hope to preach. Sermons that elicit change. Sermons that seem to birth a movement. Sermons that create a buzz. And from that place, from that wilderness place, from that desert place that the Israelites know so well, from the wilderness, John preaches and prophesies both to another way and to a greater way. You see, the desert from which John is called out to proclaim and prepare the way for his cousin Jesus is not simply a geographical designation, but a metaphorical one as well. It is in this place that in the Hebrew scriptures we are often called to remember. Remember as it is the place where Israel was called and claimed into being a people of the covenant where God said, they shall be my people, and I shall be their God. And so the desert also implies a return to God. John thus comes to prepare people for the grace of God, from the place which beckons us to remember the grace of God. And as his song in God's spell so adequately puts it, John the Baptist is born to prepare the way of the Lord. This sort of preparation will mean repentance. It will mean a turning away from the old for the promises of the new. It is baptism of the Lord Sunday, a Sunday in which Patrick is probably glad that uh, he doesn't have to preach this year because I hear he's preached it very often. And this baptism of the Lord Sunday always comes in that part of of the year that we are, we too are in between our own transitions as we get caught up in the culture of the new year, as we just now start to remember what day and date it is, as the holiday haze has finally cleared, we might find ourselves somewhere between the reflections of the old and the hopes for the new. This scripture seems to come at just the right time, a time when we seem to be more focused on changing and on turning than some other times of the year. Baptism was a rite, not new to the Israelites. But it is no longer just about the public descent into the water and the rising from it and the ritual of cleanliness. The baptism that John proclaims requires us to have some skin in the game. Behavioral changes are what he asks for. A complete turn from evil and a turn towards God. It is a word sometimes heard as harsh. But it is a word for all of us, from the peasant to the powerful. John speaks the truth, for the prophet and the preacher knows that Herod is not above reproof. Our woolly wilderness preacher and prophet rebukes and requires repentance from the places of position and privilege. This sort of call will get him imprisoned and eventually murdered. We all are going to have to get things in order, not because John said so, but because of the one who is coming next. This morning, we get to zoom into the verses because John, uh, we get to zoom into the verses in Luke that focus on the baptism of Jesus. But if we were to back up and get a wider angle, 
John has been preaching repentance in words that may sound scary. You know that whole brood of vipers don't rest on the laurels of your ancestors bit that we get to hear right before Christmas. But John's proclamations beckon for those in the crowd who are wanting, wanting some sort of relief and response from the ruthless and oppressive regime of empire. It is less about casting out and more about the saving. John's preparation and Jesus' promises are about gathering the wheat, each blade and each grain together. In the Gospel of Luke, the writings have often focused on the theme of salvation, so it is not surprising that as the Gospel writer steadies us for what is to come, the response to all our pleas and our pleases will be dipped into this very same water that, that we have been dipped into or sprinkled with. The act was once routine and mundane. Jesus is in the company of what will soon be his followers and his persecutors. He is in the company of the simultaneous sinner and saint, and he descends into the water, baptized by the one who has called the crowds to repent. He descends into the rivers of Jordan like so many had done before, and so many around him are doing. But as he comes up from the water... The results of what was once routine are now made remarkable. Marked by the Holy Spirit's Patronus, the dove, and the voice of heaven. The Son of God has arrived on the scene. The work of salvation that was born into a stable is set forth on the earth as three powerful years of promise and and persecution await everyone in his midst. And so it is that baptism is a please a yearning to follow Christ's footsteps, a yearning to become more and more like him, to become new, to die and to rise, to follow and to be formed. It is a sign and seal of our hearts stirring for change and for a community and for love. And so it is that baptism also is a thank you. It is a sign and seal of our realities, of, our, of the realities of our yearnings, a response to the love of God that calls us and claims us, a gracious act of community and of Christ. There's a clip somewhere in the volumes of YouTube of a sister and her brother, a little sister and her older brother, in what appears to be around the kitchen table. And from context, I gather that the brother's not had a couple of good days. He's lost some spark and uh, he's not done as well in school as he could have. So his sister says, you're a star and you shine. That's what you do every day. You shine and you only get 100s, not any other numbers, only 100s. You're a star and you shine. As the words of affirmation are being spoken, you see the demeanor of the older brother start to change as he lets the words seep in. His sternum gets straight, his smile gets wider. And so it is with the affirmation of the voice of God in Christ. Jesus's baptismal affirmation. And because we are in Christ, we too become God's beloved children. Within us, God is well pleased. May that affirmation shape us into people who live as if it were true, not just for us, but for the world. So may we live prayerful lives of please and thank you to the one who has prepared a way for us in the wilderness 
and who thought it not robbery to save us and to call us his beloved. For we are both in need of God's grace and thankful for God's grace. A people who live on the pendulum of faith's pleas and thank yous. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.